Improv. Welcome to the Hey Frage podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah Frazier, along with my dear, dear friend, Sammy K. Someone get this girl a drink. I need a cocktail. You, you need a Bev, like, I don't know. I need oxygen. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm turning it over to God. There's a bigger picture. Oh, we're playing the disclaimer. No, I was sure. sorry. I got focused on sure. you. No, no, no. That's fine. You can swear first. Uh, no, no, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm in a really good place today. I got a lot of great emails yesterday uh, about our dilemma, about our two offers that we have, which were really, really good. And really? Because I'm pretty sure the conversation we just had for the last 10 minutes was more like a go F yourself conversation. <laughs> this is a statement intended to specify or delimit the scope of rights and obligations that may be exercised and forced by parties in a legally recognized relationship. Wait, what? This is your disclaimer. You know what? Hey, Frage podcast may not be suitable for all years. Oh. <laughs> Oprah said it best. She said she's interviewed many, many people over the years, right? Uh-oh. Many famous people, people that have had wonderful careers, great success. And she said their advice to their younger selves was always, I wish I had worried less. It all works out in the end. And I feel like that is where I'm at today. You know what? We can't make a bad decision. Either way that we go is the right one. And in the end, we're going to achieve great success and have an incredible show that changes the world and the way people think. Well, at least you're being positive. My favorite <laughs> Opal Crow, you know, my favorite what? Oprah quote is? What? Mine is? Yes. Bitch, give me seconds. That's my favorite <laughs> Oprah quote. That's, that. what, that's she... my favorite Oprah quote. I thought it was going to be, I love bread. I love bread. Oh, did she say that? Yeah, I she mean, has I a have... Weight Watchers, you know, because she owns like half of Weight Watchers now. So she runs a commercial constantly to join for people to join Weight Watchers. This is my only disagreement. When I meet Oprah, I'm very upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's become very rich from buying Weight Watchers, but it's a scam. So... Um, she has this commercial, and it says, you know, join Weight Watchers, and she's lost 25 pounds, and she goes, I love bread. I love bread. And with Weight Watchers, I can eat bread. Well, I do love bread, <laughs> but I don't like Weight Watchers. <laughs> and even then, like, if you couldn't meet Oprah, right? Like, that's yeah, probably the person you want to... When we meet Oprah. Well, I, good thing. I don't think I... I would not want to... Like, I would not go out of my way to meet Oprah. <laughs> like, if I randomly bumped into her, which I don't think she takes the bus anymore, so she's not going to bump into me anytime soon, right. like... I would not go out of my way to meet Oprah. You're going to meet her at an award show. Yeah, and I'd ask her one question. I was like, how does it feel, Dr. Frankenstein? <laughs> what? Are you, what is that supposed to mean? What? I'll be like, she's like, what, what do you mean? Dr. Frankenstein, what is that supposed to mean? Like yeah. you just said, I'd be like, um, hello, you created the monster Dr. Phil. You're Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> you are the Dr. Frankenstein of TV hosts. Think about all the monsters she's created. Over Dr. Phil. Oz, Dr. Phil, the whole I O think Network. She might have helped Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray. Think about all Ayana these. Fixed My Life, Ayana Van Zant. Ayana, all these people that are horrible. I mean, they are horrible, horrible TV hosts. She was the person that, like, she's the Dr. Frankenstein that invented all of that. You think so? You think they're Oh, my God, go through. List off anyone that is. Well, I like Ayana Fixed My Life. I like that one. Like, the only good one is her best friend that she never hooked up with that now hosts Good Morning America. Gail. Gail. Gail King. She's the shit. She's cool, right? Everything else on the O Network can suck my ass. Wow, all those Tyler Perry shows, the have and the have nots? Tyler Perry, another prime example, Sarah. You just like you're just helping fuel the fire right now. Okay, when we meet all these people, what are you going to say? You have no interest in meeting any of them? No, none Tyler of, no, Perry? None of them? No, hell no. I'm going to look at I'm going to look at Oprah and be like, how does it feel, Doctor Frankenstein? Look at all these monsters you created. Wow. And I'm going to just show her a list. Wow. Come, okay. Think about it. There's no way you can tell me that they like Tyler Perry. No offense, not that good. 
Dr. Oz, no offense, full of shit. Dr. Phil, no offense, looks like a pedo. Um, <laughs> Rachel Wright, no offense, can't cook for shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could go, the list goes on, Sarah. Oh, my God, it is so funny. My um, my Uncle Steve, who lives in Maine, um, watches Rachel Wright every day, but he hates watching her. And he's like, look at her. All these years, she's just been making glop. Glop. And it still is on TV. And people and he, love, because it's so easy and it's so stupid. He goes, look, she just glops it all together. She throws it together in a plastic bowl, and she makes people think it's real. I don't even watch watch TV that often, but yesterday I was uh, mm-hmm. at a restaurant and they were showing like America's worst, like uh, the worst cooks in America, I guess, Celebrity Edition on uh, on Food Network. Oh, yeah? And I see Rachel Ray in there, right? And I was like, oh my god, it's about time she fessed up and admitted she sucked. And then someone's like, dude, she's the host. And I was like, there's no fucking way. Rachel Ray is easily the worst cook in all of America. Like, she should be on the show competing. <laughs> right next to fucking, you know, right next to that dude from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, Rachel Ray is horrible. Um, well, look, today we have an amazing show for you. A very, very special guest who Sammy lined this up, and it's a good friend of Sammy, a guy named Clinton Yates. You probably know him. Uh, became very well known as a Washington Post writer, and now he works for ESPN site Undefeated. Uh, he talks sports. He talks lifestyle. And uh, Clinton is also, I would say, has a really great uh, grasp and handle on the Black Lives Matter movement. Would you say that's true? Oh, yeah. I think he just has a good grasp and handle of just a lot of things. You yes. Know? He understands. Like, I say this. Like, you know, people always complain about the media, the media, the media. There's some really amazing journalists out there. Yeah, and you know? he's really one yeah. of them. So, so he's going to be on our show because we're going to revisit the conversation of Colin Kaepernick. Um, you guys all know him as the 49ers. Well, he was like the second or third string quarterback, but now he's going to be the quarterback. Um, but it's his protest going on of the national anthem, where initially he sat, then he took a knee instead of sitting, and it's still fired up a lot of people. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg made a comment about it this week. It's created a lot of controversy. And a couple of weeks ago, I questioned on this show um, if that was the best way to unite Black Lives Matter and this country and getting something done. And people were very, very upset about that. Felt Mm -hmm. like I was super white. Bless you. Sorry. I was not woke. I need to go back and start at step one. Um, and so I'm going to read some of the emails because I've had some time to do some research. And um, I'll let you know what if my thoughts have changed. I have some questions for Clinton Yates. Um, and anybody who's interested, too, in being a young and up-and-coming journalist, he's the guy. What? what is Get that? your goddamn cup <laughs> off the table. Get There's your no water damn, in I know, it. It has, been, it has been months, Sarah, since I've had to play the alarm. No it has water. been months. And look what you You're made me do. You're out of control. You're out of control. No, you know the rules, Sarah. Okay, no water on the table that we work on because you spilled water over everything and then decided to tell everyone that we spilled water <laughs> over everything. One time I spilled water on the computers and they had to be rebuilt. Sorry. And the board and everything. And it's your second time in your career, okay? People may not know about this, but you got some poor old man fired one time <laughs> for dropping a white mocha latte all over the board and pinning it on his fat ass. I you don't, did that. You don't think that I remember story that. It's true. Oh my God. Yeah. As you, as you get to know our show, if you're a new listener, by the way. So we both, Sammy and I for years worked in radio, and one of my first radio jobs was at this defunct station, Z104, which, by the way, Billy Bush was actually the morning show guy there right before. 
before I came on. He'd been fired, um, which seems to be a theme a for theme poor for Billy. Him, yeah. uh, so anyway, but I was like a board op and assistant producer. And one day I got, I had to go get everyone's Starbucks coffee every day. That was my job to get everyone's mm-hmm. coffee. So one day I got myself a white, like chocolate mocha and I spilled it on the board and the whole board started to short circuit. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I stuffed paper towels like kind of under the board to try and absorb some yeah, of the water. Smart, but I smart. never told anyone. And so then they sent out a memo that day and they were like, you know, $2,500 in damage has been done to the board. We now are doing a no uh, drink policy in any of our um, like studios. studios. And if anybody knows who might be responsible, please let us know. And so um, they asked me who I thought. And I said, I don't know, except for, you know, this one guy, Yanni. He usually eats a lot in here at night. And I've seen him with soda. So it's probably him. And they were like, okay, yeah. <laughs> It was so bad. See, where's that, that Sarah? Where's that, Sarah? You know, I've lost my edge. I have. I have. I went through therapy, and it really changed me for, like, this passive kind of, like, sweet, you know, let's be nice to everybody. Let's say yes, no, yes, no. Let's go back and forth, question everything. And now, yeah, I know. I need to throw people under the bus. I'll get it back. Well, no, hold on. Throw it under the bus. No, Sarah, you straight up crucified him. Like, By the way, no, I didn't, because he had already put in his resignation, because he was leaving and going to work. For so the national baseball scapegoat. team, so he was an easy scapegoat, and he was, uh, and I was heavier too at the time. You remember, I was, a, I was a larger lady, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he was a larger fella. And I thought, you know, this is a large off, and he's on his way out. So you're I'm on your way in. I'm going to pin it on him, and they, they easily believe it. they go, yeah, we thought, we thought so too. That's good, Sarah. <laughs> See, this is the kind of cutthroat attitude that Oprah uses to become a success. You got to become like this again, Sarah. You don't have that edge anymore. Therapy has I know, made you it's a puss. True. Like yesterday's conversation would have never been a conversation. Conversation, you know. Yeah, of have course. You thought I would have just maybe, done the press and then, like, n- never even told them and then just released it. Have you thought about maybe, um, you know, know, going back to therapy? Like, maybe, sorry, like, reneging on the therapy, like, not doing it anymore? Yeah, I'm... Damn it, okay. Sarah, the stupid goddamn cup. Stop doing this. Sorry. You're going to ruin the show. Oh, They're going to put it so often. Sorry. God. I don't think I'm going to go to therapy anymore. I haven't you gone for a while. I'm not going to go. I'm t- when was the last time you just smoked a doobie and had some whiskey and was like, I've that's therapy I've never smoked weed. Enough. I know. I'm going to have to. I need to get the edge back because right now it's not, it's not happening. I know so many people, Sarah, that, you know, very high-intensity jobs, really stressful... A little dude goes a long way. We've worked for so many assholes, and they're but they've been very successful. And I think to myself, that's what I'm doing wrong. Don't you realize, like Sammy? How did you deal with all that abuse for all those years, Sammy? Yeah. How did you just show up how'd day in and day out, three a.m. and still do your job and laugh and pretend like you were in your own little world and you know had this great time? How, Sarah? Because I was in my own little world. I was baked out of my fucking mind. So smart. And I loved it. So smart. And I made it. Okay. Everyone was like, that's great. By the way, everyone knows radio stations have a ton of free food laying around all the time. So I was always happy for that. I know. That's true. That did work really well. Sushi at 630 in the morning. I got to get your edge. I got to get your edge. Um, I want to do a couple of stories before we get Clinton on. Um, This is an advice question that a listener needs for us. How do you deal with a sign that my neighbor put up all around our neighborhood? I want to know if I should say something to him, confront him, or just let it go. Here's the sign, okay? This is what's posted in this woman's neighborhood. Dog shit. Capital letters. Dog shit. This has nothing to do with the past post regarding dog poop. I stepped in dog shit today in my front yard. I have no idea who the animal belongs to. If I catch anyone's dog shitting in my yard and the owner doesn't clean it up, I will kill your dog. Short, sweet, and to the point. I love animals. I hate shit. Do you think that this post is appropriate to put around in a neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. 
So you'd be fine with this. You wouldn't write to this guy if this was Magoo, poor little blind Magoo, and your neighbor had done a threat like this. I'd pick up my dog's shit. That's the thing. Because nothing is worse than walking down the street and then stepping in shit, okay? And even as a dog owner myself, I have dealt with that where I've stepped in it, and it is the worst. Like, honestly, it can ruin your day. It'll absolutely ruin your day. Like, it'll ruin your day. I'm going to say it one more time. It'll ruin your day, Sarah. Would you confront your... So you would not confront your neighbor at all if they put this sign around? No, I wouldn't. I'd actually applaud them. If anything, I would put up a camera and be like, I'm watching you too, bitches. <laughs> and then I'd put in parentheses like the dogs. Not not trying to be derogatory. I love ladies. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, it I makes think it's sense a little much. No, you have to clean up because there's some pet owners out there that just go, oh, screw it, whatever. You can't, dude. It is so obnoxious. And these dogs, like most of these dogs, even the small ones, take human-sized shits. <laughs> like my 15-pound dog, like there's days that I look at his and I was like, you had a bigger shit than I did. And I'm a, like, I'm like a 180-pound man. You know what I mean? Like, you're 15 pounds, dude. That is ridiculous. Can I tell you, the first thing that came to mind when I saw this is what homeowners association, what neighborhood do you live in where the homeowners association will actually allow these signs up? There's number one. Well, no, it's definitely they probably just put it on the public property, just like stuck it in there. You know, a couple popsicle sticks. Dink. Put a sign in there. I mean, I think it's kind of, I mean, not that it's comical because I think this person is probably serious. But I think it's a little much. Think about it, Sarah. Like, there's got to be something that would... Like, stepping in dog shit, I can't think of anything worse than that. I think I can think of a lot of things worse. Tell me one thing worse. Um, hmm. Let's see. Exactly. You can't. Because nothing is worse than just going along your day, walking, and then all of a sudden you step in dog shit. Getting hit by a truck, that would be worse. No, but see, the the truck, that's kind of You're cutting your finger off, that would be worse. The truck, my fault, okay? I didn't look both ways, okay? The, the, The finger getting cut off, that's because I was too shaky with the knife. That's what happens, all right? I was walking, Sarah. I know how to walk, and I did everything I could do to walk appropriately and to walk fine. And this person left a turd in the middle of the grass, and that ruined my day. I don't know. You know what? Look, I would confront my neighbor, maybe, and just be like, hey, is everything okay? Seems like a really threatening post. Now, I will say for what we're trying to accomplish with you in the long run, I would... No. See, Sarah? That's what you're fucked up. (laughs) I would say I would promote you going and confronting your neighbor just so you could confront somebody. (laughs) Ew! You sound bitch. That's what I would do. You can weigh in on your thoughts. Sarah at HayFrage.com. Ever had somebody in your neighborhood put up something like this threatening to your dog? What'd you do? We want to hear it. Uh, Now, you know, look, we never talk about the Kardashians on this unless it kind of like transcends sort of what they're trying to do, fame. But um, one thing that has come up is have you seen the Kim Kardashian kidnapping Halloween costume that's now for sale? And some people feel like that might be a little too far. It's got a it's got a gag in her mouth, plastic ties on her. And uh, she's kind of like bound and gagged. That's how you go as Halloween. You think that's funny or do you think that's ridiculous? Uh, Well, I I love this. How much you want to bet Chris Jenner's the one that's behind it? Do you think? <laughs> really? I Nothing mean, would shock you? That's the thing. I Yeah, I, like I said, we try to ban them, and I try to ban them, so I'm going to say as little as possible, but I think Chris Jenner's behind it. That would be genius. You probably could be right. Um, anyway, some Halloween online stores are selling the Kim Kardashian um, robbery costume. If you think it's funny. I mean, let's be honest. After last week's debate, everyone knows what the big costume of the year is going to be. What? 
Ken Bone, baby. Oh, yeah, Ken Bone is going to be Ken one. Bone, man. You guy's a stud. Uh, it also has a fake $4 million ring and a black wig, fake gag, and a rope for $69.99, which seems absolutely ridiculous That's if ridiculous, you want to do it. That's yeah. uh, Costumish.com. And now they're saying, too, that Costumish has pulled it, but some people are already saying many people had already bought it, and now people are selling it. By the way, the Kardashians stand by. They say that it wasn't a hoax, if you believe that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, did you realize that Blue Apron, I know you don't get any food delivery because you are can, such a great cook on I your own. Because I can cut vegetables myself. There's a new report out that says Blue Apron in New Jersey, their distribution center, is like a real-life fight club. That did is, you read this story? That makes so much sense. <laughs> Why? Why do you think putting little portions of food in boxes would cause such outrage? And I'm talking there's been three fights in the past three f- weeks. Inside the actual facility? Inside the facility, Fuck according yeah, to man. sources. Organic protein, dude. It brings out the rage in all of us. So I'm t- I, okay. they cook. Why are these people on organic protein? No, I think what would probably piss them off the most is they're sitting there and they're realizing that their boss is getting, like, you know, carrots for three cents. Paying them to sit there and to like partially cook them and to cut them up for you guys, and you just think, and all then that now they're going to resell rage. it for you. They're going to resell it to you for like twenty dollars a meal, and they're like, "What the fuck?" They're, they're pissed about it. They're citing that maybe the long work hours is what is causing it. Uh, two of the coworkers, one had one in a headlock, was basically choking him out in one of the boxes, according to a according to a source. It went on for maybe about six seconds, and everyone realized they were playing. Uh, they weren't playing, and some of the employees broke it up. About an hour later, two female workers were pulled apart by coworkers after one pushed the other's head in an escalating shouting match. That's according to two other uh, employees who spoke to the New York Post under anonymity. A third scuffle also broke out a couple of days later um, with supervisors getting involved as well with a person threatening a coworker. I love these people. You know what? I may sign up for what? Blue Apron just if I can get a fight video once a week. But they're saying the overwhelming demand of Blue Apron, the company has grown so quickly they may actually be going public. In 2017, they're projected to be worth as much as $3 billion. So they're saying the stresses of getting this is really adding up. And now they've even put a no firearms allowed side up on the property. Okay, well that's that's good. What is going on there? No one wants a no one wants a bullet shell in their risotto. I guess not. Oh my god, scary story. So what do they? They just send you like the they just send you like all the ingredients already chopped up and shit. Right? Everything, yeah. It's all chopped up. So all you gotta yeah. do is you just gotta literally take the chicken out. It's already been marinated. So mm-hmm. they tell you to put oil in the pan. You sear it. You put in the oven, and yep. then you put everything else in the Everything. That's it. Yeah, they measure out the amount of spice you need, the amount of noodles. And they just have it all like in separate little baggies yep. and shit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's literally just a glorified ramen packet. Um, well, you, you you make everything from, like, like I get pleated. I don't do Blue Apron. Because at first, and I guess some people have told me that they've changed their policy, but they didn't really tell you where the meat was coming from, and it wasn't, like, organic or non-hormonal meat. Mm-hmm. So I gave up Blue Apron and went to Plated, which I really, really like. And because Plated will sort, they'll tell you what farms, and they'll say no antibiotics, no hormones on the meats, and the um, some of the fish. But anyway, so... Um, but yeah, they'll they have all kinds of different recipes: vegetarian, chicken, pizza, anything. But I'm saying, but they just send it to you already, and you're just like, from there you go, right? Yeah, and then you're ready. All I right. love it. So Sounds riveting. Um, so, did you realize this in general that mm-hmm. women more lie, women mm-hmm. lie more than men? Women lie more than men. Yeah, goddamn right. There's not even a question about that. 
Not one single question about that. So, but here's what one study found, that men only lie more than women when it comes to this one topic. Do you have any guesses as to what that is? Um, does it have to do with the man's masculinity? No. So Mm-mm. it's not penis size. Mm-mm. Okay, weird. This is so strange to me, but men will lie more about their TV viewing habits. Specifically, they found that dudes lie a lot more than women, only about TV shows that they haven't actually watched. So men will sit there and lie. Like, if you go, hey, have you ever seen the, you know, the show um, Like Real Housewives of Potomac, and re- the guy would be like, no, no, what are you talking about? Right. But, like, he goes home. But he, he has watched it. Or he, vice versa. I'll ask you, have you watched all Breaking Bad? And you go, yes, yeah, absolutely. And you never have. And I've never seen a single right. episode? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But I will say also with this article, what they don't tell you is that women are way better at lying than men. So men get caught way more often, but women lie a ton more, but they're so much better at it. Like, so good at lying. Well, they say that men, for some reason, overall, want to lie about TV more than anything else. And in general, the survey said that we're humans. Uh, people make mistakes and, la- and lie often. Some of the latest shows, like Breaking Bad, lots of men won't admit to actually not watching the whole thing through. I always lie to girls about how much I've drank that night or if I've smoked weed beforehand, depending on who they are. If I know that they're going to be like, ah, my dear, I don't want to hang out with him. He's drunk. I'm like, I only had one wine. <laughs> well, yeah, most women probably don't want to hang out with you when you're drunk. Yeah, but I want to hang out with them when I'm drunk. Well, it's I'm a good drunk. time. They also say in general that um, everyone lies because they don't want to feel left out. Oh. So that's one of the biggest reasons. Oh. Do you, well, feel like, that? Do you feel that pressure when it comes to TV? I mean, if guys feel like they're being left out because they didn't sit around and binge watch Breaking Bad, that's their own prerogative. I don't find myself feeling like that. <laughs> Too often. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to talk about this, and I wanted to actually get Clinton Yates' opinion on this. Did you see where Little Wayne came out and has now said that he's never experienced racism? Uh, yes, what I saw you, that. Article. How do you feel about that? I mean, that's his own. Uh, this is, that's he said. I have never, which is his own personal experience. So that's if his own personal experience. Nothing he's, I can say about it. Are you? Because this is my question. So here's a little context to this story. He's also a multimillionaire. He's been super rich and famous since For he was, a while. what, 16 years old? You know. So you're going to be exempt from you're a lot? a little bit, you know. He's not really getting, you know, he's he can walk in with a bunch of cocaine in his purse. He's like, actually, I don't want to go through security. I'm just going to turn around. <laughs> And they're cool with that. It's Little Wayne. Like, so he says that when he was 12 years old and he accidentally shot himself in the chest, that the only person that rescued him at the scene was a white cop. And he says, therefore, he said, my whole life I have not experienced racism. And he went on to say that when he was shot at that incident, the three black officers came in and were the ones looking for drugs and looking for other assailants. But the one white guy called 911 went in the ambulance with him and then stayed at the hospital to make sure he was okay. And the white guy whispered in his ear, he's like, Wheezy, you can rap now. And so he says that he, and now, of course, he's getting a ton of backlash. Why do you think people are so angry about that? Because it's not their experience. I don't think that's the experience of most people. I mean, I would assume that most people have not had such a, would have Little Wayne-style experiences. We're not all famous rappers, you know, multimillionaires with entourages, security guards, private jets. You know, clothing lines. That's not how most of us live. And so I think he lives in a different world that, in his personal experience, yes, he probably maybe has never dealt with that. You know? Do you think, okay, does this change? Because a lot of people with his account that just came out yesterday are sort of bringing into question, like, well, is that most African-Americans' experience? That it is positive, but for the overall Black Lives Matter movement, that 
argument doesn't work. That story isn't, it doesn't help. I mean, I can tell you, as an Arab guy, I don't know. All right, well, I want to ask Clinton Yates all about that. He'll be here soon. Yeah. Uh, The other story that I wanted to get to, too. Actually, speak of the devil. Here he is. Clinton Yates, we're live, so you're just, like, hopping on. You're under the weather, so I'm sorry. You're under the weather? Oh, no. Because I love Sammy. I'm here. Well, I appreciate you coming in, man. Hi, Clinton Yates. I'm Sarah Frazier. I know who you are. I'm so good. What are you dealing with? A cold, flu? Uh, it's that time of year, you know. It and is, dude. Sammy knows this, and you do too. When you work real hard, sometimes your body just gives you one of those things where it's like, hey, why don't you chill? And so it's kind of where I'm at right now, though. How was everybody? Good. So good. We've been dying to have you on because we have so many questions. You probably know we talk about everything on this podcast. Yes, I have listened, and I like it. And, uh,. I like that you do it here too. That's a isn't this a cool space? That's a cool spot. It's like you guys have both done comedy. I've never done comedy. I'm too scared to do comedy. Really? Yeah. You haven't? You should do it. Oh my god, it's the best experience ever. I'm not that funny. Though. I could never do stand up though. Like I don't think I could ever do stand up. I see them and I go, how the fuck do they do that? Right. It's Sitting behind me- a microphone and talking trash is one thing. Yeah. But like standing on stage in front of people is a whole other. And mm-hmm. I don't have the latter end. But you end up playing off the energy of the people. And yeah. like you and and the thing is too like I've done a little bit of stand up and it was really horrible. Was so don't horrible. get me wrong. It was really bad. But Wait, were you there? That was there. Yeah, it was the worst, dude. It was at um <laughs> like it was at some random hotel. They had a, like a pot, like an open oh, God, mic night in their it? basement bar and Sarah showed up to do uh, like comedy and I mean it was People were offended. Well, I'm sorry. There was one guy who laughed at all of my jokes. He was a redneck, Sarah. Of course he wasn't. Everyone else was offended. I used to do this whole, um, like, I used to be a lot heavier. Like, I was 60 pounds heavier. So I did a really bad bit, basically, where I was hard to date rape, and people didn't really like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm making a face for those of you listening at home. You're offended as well. Um, I'm not offended. That's just weird. So, you have a great career, which we want to talk about, but okay. we do want you on, too, because I feel like you have a great grasp of what's happening with Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. You've heard the podcast, and you've, did you hear the episode where we talked about Colin Kaepernick's protest? I did not. I did not click on that, but I saw it. Nothing personal. Okay. I just, that was how it went. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people were very upset with me, because I sort of had said, hey, is this the best way to do this protest? And initially, the comments that I made that people were very upset about was, I feel like if Colin Kaepernick feels this strongly, he would never stop playing football to actually go be with families or, you know, use his press time and actually take people and go, hey, this family had their son shot with no gun on him or anything. I feel like it's a little opportunistic. And people were very, very upset with me and felt like I am not woke and I need to go back to step one. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why people feel that way is because there's this weird notion that sacrifice is tied to contribution. And there's this assumption that you have to stop doing what you're doing in order to do something else. And I, that's the problem. You know what I mean? It's not that he necessarily has to discontinue his current activities in order to create a space in which you can discuss what matters to him. And that's a guy with a platform where, look, people pay attention to him. And paying, playing football is how he pays his bills. So asking somebody to stop doing what they're doing in order to do something else, I think, is sort of beyond the purpose because that's not really what it's about. What it's about is the goal. And not to get too far into this, mm-hmm. but I'll say this to you, Sarah, and I'll say this to you, Sammy. Martin Luther King used to mention the concept of 
white liberals who were passive and the idea of order being more important than justice. And I think that's what that gets to, this notion that order is the paramount concept where it's like, whoa, 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 don't screw anything up. You have to do this this way in order for me to pay attention. I think that's where Colin Kaepernick did actually really well. He's starting on Sunday, which is pretty cool, but to ask a guy to discontinue what he's doing in order to do something else, I think, defeats the purpose of the, of but, the protest. Okay, here's my, here's my counter-argument, okay? But didn't Martin Luther King do that? Martin Luther King became supported by churches and people who supported him. Yeah, and but there were a lot of people that didn't job. like Martin Luther King at all who were black ministers in the South at the time as well. And yes, yeah, so what if it was just his job? Not everybody has to do everything like Martin Luther King. And may I be clear, Sammy, they shot Martin Luther King, too. I know. So... Did taking, I say something else? No, no, no. Oh. I'm just saying, oh. to taking his... I'm, I'm messing with you. Oh, okay. Taking, <laughs> his, <laughs> taking his route is not necessarily the best one, because, yeah. hello, you might end up dead on a balcony in Memphis or whatever. But I'm just saying, like, I don't... I, I think it's a very convenient notion to believe that people have to sacrifice something in order to contribute to the so-called movement, and I just, I just don't believe that. Okay. Here's my other one question about his protest. Mm-hmm. When you she's been waiting for this for like weeks, dude. <laughs> right here. You know, yeah, she's been right waiting here. for weeks for this. Okay, when you have a symbol like the American flag, and a lot of people told me to read the Star Spangled Banner because it is very racist the way it yeah. has been written. There's a third verse. There's a third verse. But when you take the notion of rejecting symbols of America, our flag, right? Are you fundamentally saying America is really flawed at its core? Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, I mean, America is flawed at its core. The original sin of this nation was bringing people from other continents in order to build the economic base that made what we call, you know, the American economy. I mean, look, the notion of industry did not exist until slavery was a thing. You couldn't just make stuff Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again unless you had people that were willing to do it. I mean, the Industrial Revolution in England happened because of the slave trade here. They had the goods and the means to do it as a result of the abuses that were happening on this soil. So, yeah, I mean, look, this country is a great one, and I think there's not many people that would argue with that in terms of the lifestyles that we do live, you, really, but it doesn't do mean that you're not allowed that? to say that something is fundamentally wrong with it. I don't, I don't see the two as mutually exclusive. Well... I feel like what I'm trying to understand is why so many people, his protest has made people so angry versus other protests haven't. And, you know, my follow-up question, because I really want to know, like, when we talk about it, in some ways I feel like people don't want me to talk about it because I'm white. So my question is, in the Black Lives Matter movement, do do Black Lives Matter want white people involved or not really? Is this something that we're not, not supposed really to be a part of? I'm not sure that's the point, but let me ask you two questions. Number one... Okay, so Colin Kaepernick is a quarterback for the 49ers. He's a black male that exists in America. Sarah Fraser, you're a white woman that exists in the world. What if I told you that the only thing I was going to listen to you in terms of what you thought mattered for women's rights was something that you said when you were in the women's bathroom? Like, like what if I just put it that way? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want you in the school locker room talking about this. I don't want you in the lunchroom. you got to stay in your space stay first. Stay in your lane. And then I'll pay attention to it. That would okay. be unfair. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now you understand. Maybe you understand a little bit more about what we're talking about here is that we were forced to be, and by we, I mean black people, we were forced to be in certain spaces, and we spoke then, didn't work. Spoke in other places after getting elected, after getting ministers, after mm-hmm. getting whatever, didn't work. Finally, it's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to have to walk into your space and express myself because that's the only way you'll pay attention. And I think that... For a lot of women and for a lot of white people, that's 
it's it's not hard to understand if you put it in your own context. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, you, you you've spoken out about women's rights. I've heard this, you know, body shaming and yada yada. You were on the street in a bikini for a reason. You right. know what I mean? It's because you forced people to pay attention to what you were doing. If you did that in your own bedroom, if you did that in your own whatever, the message is different. And right. I think that that's what Colin Kaepernick is really about. He's like, I'm bringing this to you, and this is how I'm going to do it. So... Do you have a question? Well, I, I mean, ask, I could talk forever. I know Sarah so. could talk forever. She's going to keep on <laughs> trying to grow this. I'm so but I actually want to talk more or less about what you're doing now, yeah. right, with Undefeated, okay? Because when you look at how basic sports was done before, and it literally was just report the facts, report the scores, do that. But now when you read, you guys are actually bringing a lot more of the culture, a lot more of the history, a lot more of, you know, the race, a lot more of you know, the understanding of what the who the player is, not what they do on the field. But yet, I've also noticed that you're getting a lot more almost like, I see your daily, your weekly emails that you post are getting a little bit more rough. Have you noticed, like, is that like, is that something that you've actually sat back and said, man, sometimes I wish I could just stick to the scores? Or do you really, truly, like, you know, do you enjoy really delving into it and really understanding, like, what's going on? If I stuck to the scores, I wouldn't write about sports. Yeah. It's just not interesting enough to me anymore. I'm 35. Mm-hmm. You know, I played three sports in high school. I went to a college where sports were relatively big, but not super huge. And I was a sports writer there. But at this point in my life, it's sort of like my interest is held in things that are well beyond the box scores, mm, you know, yeah. and it's 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 hairstyles, it's uniforms, it's backstories, it's interpersonal relationships between coaches, players, fans, executives. And so for me, it's a natural progression. You know, what we're doing at the Undefeated is one of those things where you try to highlight the reasons why people care about things well beyond what was initially reported. You know, the journalism world was what it was because people felt that they weren't getting the information that they needed to know beforehand. And now I think that's expanded. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, a sports fan knows about a guy's backstory, knows about something more than just what happens when said person puts on a helmet or, you know, a uniform. I think that that's ultimately a good thing. I mean, it makes it like it makes me like it more rather than the other way around. And if if I only had to you know, write about some guy hitting a double to the gap every two then, weeks. Yeah. No chance. I'm not doing that. But have you noticed that people are more, like, you know, confrontational with you now about your writing because of uh, that? A little bit. I mean, I don't know that more confrontational is that because, Simi, you might know this. I mean, I used to write about actual things yeah. that were actual politics. Right. So the sports world, I think people are more upset that you're bringing it to them in that realm than they are about the specificity of your argument. But once you get... Once you get into that, you know, people are, people are willing to do it. I mean, I think we're at a place in America where those conversations are legit now. And that's why I think The Undefeated is doing well, because yeah. you're bringing that conversation to everybody, which ultimately is, is a good thing. Oh, my God. I love that. I try. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, why is it, too, and I think in sports in general, and we don't talk a lot about sports on here. I mean, I find it fascinating, but I don't know a lot of the backstories. Mm-hmm. Um it's really cool to be a part of something that you are doing some beyond the scores, right? right. I mean, that's so different. And to be different. part of, like, the opening staff, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, know, I'm... inaugural staff. That's awesome, look, man. Look, I'm lucky and I'm privileged, and it's not an easy job, to be very honest. Um, there's a responsibility that comes with it, not just from a... Uh, not just from a national standpoint, but from a local standpoint as well. You know what I mean? I really try hard to make sure that I represent the people who have raised me and taught me everything I know well. That's a big part of what I do, and that is a very, very big driving factor in how I motivate myself to do my job. Do you have any regrets leaving the post? Because I'm <laughs> obsessed with the post. I Somebody asked the me post. this the other day, and I explained to them this, which is that 
professionally, it wasn't that difficult, but personally, it was really hard. Yeah. I, I mean, it would have been nine years if I'd been there another month. And so the relationships that you forge when you work at a certain place for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time are very difficult to not necessarily break, but sort of detach from. Oh, I bet. You, you mean, you, we all know this, you know, this radio business is also a mess on that front. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about that. Are you still contributing for TOP? Absolutely. I'm okay. on every day. But, okay. um, you know, and it, breaking away from it personally was harder than breaking away from it professionally. You know, I grew up in D.C., so I read the Post every single day. I read the comics first, mm-hmm. sports second, style third. That's what I did for 20 years of my life, you know, so... My relationship to the paper was much larger than just a professional one. It was a personal one. And that, you know, that made it hard because I thought there was a point in my life where I thought I was going to write about the city I grew up in for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And when I decided not to do that, it opened up sort of a whole mind space that I was really, really glad to find because I'm not going to say that I felt limited, but I didn't know that I was feeling limited until I broke out of that box. Oh, there you go. Well, I think it's amazing, too. You're kind of like we are, where you've made a living, and obviously a very good one. You've been very successful in media that everyone says is dying. So I'd read where you had said that you feel like there is always a need for good stories will always find an audience. Basically, we kind of believe the same thing, whether it's radio or print. But, I mean, how did you even decide to go to print when everyone must have been telling you, are you kidding? You're going to make no money. And is that true? Did you make no money for a while? No and no. So really? when I went... It's what we experienced in radio. I've always made great money in radio. I, uh, good for you. <laughs> I, uh, I, so I had, a, I had a big life-changing moment when I was 19 where I almost died in a car crash. And I had to... I was between colleges, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really mm-hmm. sure what I was going to do with my life. And uh, you know, I was just working retail, just being a dude you know, in D.C. And... Uh, when I decided to go back to school, my dad was like, all you do all day is listen to the radio and read the newspaper. Maybe you should give that a shot on a professional level. And, and so I did. And uh, that's pretty much how it worked out. But I'm also a big student of the game. You know, I don't just walk into the room. I mean, I did just now. I don't just walk into the room and, you know, light it up. In. It's something that <laughs> it's something that I have studied through fanship, through uh, you know, school, and I'm really I, I care about the medium of radio. It's it's still the most intimate to me, uh-huh. and that matters a lot. That matters a lot in my world. Do you think it's really going to succeed? Do you think radio is really going to have? I mean, now look, TOP is an exception because that is the powerhouse station here in DC. It has been for you know yeah, twenty years, ever. but. Others, the format of radio in general, you really think it will have that much cachet in another five years? Yeah, I mean, and I think radio is going to move back toward a. I think Don't gonna, mind this, it's just the beer. Yeah, You're just, just bringing in the beer. beer for the night. I think there's going to be a shift back towards hearing voices again because once stations started becoming overly programmed with music or, you know, whatever, once these. These streaming services have taken over. You don't need to listen to the radio to listen to music. No. no. That, that's a waste of time. And in fact, time. who's going to sit through? And even T.O.P. I mean, I love T.O.P. But who's going to sit through five minutes of commercials? They're not. And I'm so shocked with the lack of reinvention. I don't think it's about the commercials. I think people can deal with commercials. I think it's about the programming. And, like, I don't listen to the radio to listen to music. I listen to the radio to hear people talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I always sort of have. I mean, I, yeah, I did listen to the radio you know, PGC and KYS and all this when I was a kid to hear certain songs, but that was a different world from a distribution standpoint. Like, when was the last time you went into, like, a restaurant or a store shop and they actually were playing the local radio? Oh, I can't dude, even I tell couldn't even never. remember that. Yeah, I mean, there's, right? there's just no way, because that's just not what we do now. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. I mean, mm-hmm. radio was originally created for people to talk. 
And yes. if we get back to that, I think that is a more true to form sort of a more honest approach mm-hmm. than just we're going to play the stuff you like and sort of yammer in between. Do you have another? I have like a I'm million dead. questions. Now, Sarah, you will keep on. Do you have you a, a, wait, I have like five more questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I have like 25 more questions for you. All good. Um, one, you talked about writing about relationships between players and coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. What's a player coach relationship that you are fascinated by, enamored by, love to write about? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, it's Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs. Um, they're an NBA basketball team who they probably win a championship every four years or so, but they're never out of it. And Popovich is a guy who is super no nonsense. Like he does not, he's not very uh, affable to the media, okay. but he's a great coach. And they were one of the first teams that really excelled at bringing players from other countries in. And they also have a real big sort of, like, family vibe. And I've always said that the Spurs, NBA-wise, are, like, that team where, you know, when your parents, you go to, like, the cookout or whatever, and mm-hmm. your parents are like, look at your cousin. Your cousin's doing this. Your cousin's doing that. They that's did the Spurs. The, you know, that's the Spurs. That's the you know? Spurs. And it's like, oh, they did their homework. That's why they can play. Oh, what happened to that girl you used to date? Oh, look at them. He's got a doctorate. And you're like, all right already with the Spurs. You know, <laughs> enough. But they're really good at it. And so Greg Popovich is a guy that's been at the helm of that for more than a decade. And I really think that the relationship he has with players is a special one. Because otherwise you can't create that kind of, a, that kind of success in a franchise that is as... Uh, mobile as the NBA, you know, without really being a good leader. And he's a dude that I just really look up to, even though he's kind of a dick in public. I assume he's one of those guys that you would run through a wall for if you're actually playing basketball for him. Now, you go to tons of sporting events, right? You go to tons of events around Not anymore. I don't go to tons of sporting events anymore. I can't drill with drunk a-holes anymore. It's the worst. Well, that's my question is, if you have to choose the best one, not to go watch a game, but to just go for the experience and the party and the good time, what do you go for? Like what is like what's your favorite like go to sporting event or you know is it something completely yeah. off the grid? I, I like baseball games. I like hockey games. I do not like football games. They're just too freaking hectic. But um, I went to a game last year at Howard University. I went to a basketball game, mm-hmm. and uh, me and a bunch of my boys went, and it was just a great time. Like people in the crowd were chilling. You know, they're playing future during all the breaks. You That's know, awesome. like it, it, it was a good time, and it wasn't just that it was a party. It was that it. You know, it was amateur, so to speak, you know, college sports, but it, people felt comfortable. And that's, I think that's a hard experience now in sports is that everything is so money driven that you're almost forced to feel like you, if you're not paying enough money, then you can't have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, it is getting there, isn't it? Right. And like, I, you know, I was a little league baseball coach. I'll, I'll go watch a little league baseball game any day of the week. You know? <laughs> like, I'm a huge baseball guy. I was in Bristol a couple months ago and they were having the regionals. I straight up drove to the yard and watched a team, you know, from D.C., Capital City, and another team I'd never heard of play with a bunch of 12-year-olds. Like, it was fun. Parents were in the crowd. Kid brothers and sisters are in the crowd. Like, I don't need it to be the highest level to enjoy the spectacle and the achievement. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's a big part of it for me. If you're trying and you like it, it's just as fun to watch as the guys who are getting paid to do it. I knew it was game over when the Yankee Stadium started serving sushi. I was really? like, this they is sushi it. at Yankee Stadium? Yes. Wow. Like, it's ridiculous. Oof. Ridiculous. Is it any good? Would you eat sushi at Yankee Stadium? No. I, I would. Just I'm that asshole, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I am totally that asshole. I mean, I love the NFL. And you know I'm a Mainer, so I'm a Pats fan. Okay. Do you think Belichick will be go down in history as the best NFL coach of all time? 
Yeah, and I'm not really sure that's much of a question at this point. I mean, not to get too far into the football chalk talk, but if you look at the personnel he's had over the years, he's had one tremendous quarterback that he sort of made out of nothing and a bunch of guys. I mean, you're talking at least a dozen guys you can name that were mm-hmm. important to that franchise. A lot of teams don't do that anymore. It's very old school. Um, there was a time in the league where free agency wasn't a thing. Or, you know, and so you could keep guys. This is my question, and you know this because you're an insider. Mm-hmm. My fascination with Bill Belichick is we've all worked in many different work environments. To get everyone to buy in to, like, a mission, a, uh, you know, a lifestyle, a, you know, that whole thing. How does he do it year after year? Because all these NFL teams, by the way, my knowledge comes from Hard Knocks. You know, I, I don't like watch that. Hard Knocks. <laughs> You don't? Do you not? No. Why do you not like the show? It's boring. Yeah. I mean, really? I, I, like, I, I don't, don't even know what, what you're talking about, Sarah. I'm not gonna lie to you. So. <laughs> HBO show that happens every year preseason for NFL. Okay. I do. I'm a big NFL. They fan. did the Rams this most recently. Uh, okay. I do know that. Oh but wait, I know what you're talking how about. How does he? And here's the guy the got thing. busted for bringing a chick into his room during mm-hmm. training camp. Mm-hmm. It was a funny bit. Yeah. That I did see. I always am skeptic. Like you know, it's uh, all these people, all our heroes, Lance Armstrong, all these people. Like at the end of the day, you Lance up, Armstrong is a hero of yours. Well, he was. Okay. He was back with the, back before I knew that he was just a sham. Right. So I keep thinking at any moment Belichick's going to be a sham. But I, in the meantime, I'm fascinated how do you get these people to buy in? How does he do it? Money. I mean, it's not hard if you're good. These, oh, come on. These guys are not motivated by money. They're, are you serious? Do you know any professional athletes? They're yes, making a lot of money on, to do something. No, honest, honest, honest question. Do you, how many professional athletes, athletes do you know? Um, Bill Hamid, who's... Uh, Yo, my boy, Bill Bill is the man, by the Bill way. Bill is a friend of mine. Oh, we love Bill. Yeah, yeah. I'm Bill's a big fan of Bill. Um, let's see. I used Bill's to, also a soccer player, though. Oh, so remember Drew Storen back in the day. There was um, that one pitcher that uh, tried to cheat on his girlfriend with yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, who was that? Oh, God, I can't remember. Um, oh, John Lennon. John um, Lennon tried to cheat on his girlfriend with you? Wow. It's hilarious. Which yeah. wow is it? Is it wow like he actually wanted no, to shoot it's on him with wow, me or wow like or John wow? Lennon is a guy that I would have never thought about ever again in my life. <laughs> ever. Sammy just said is he name. even still in baseball? I do not know the answer I don't to that. know. We need to do a quick Google search. Yeah. I no, mean, the reason like I said money moment. is because I think a lot of people are disillusioned by this hero notion that it's like, oh my God, I want to be the best for my fans. Yeah, those paychecks are no joke. And guys play because they want to be good. And if they know that there's a leader that can make them better, they are going to be willing to go the extra mile. And I think that's what Bill Belichick does. He is literally obsessed with football. And so as a result, the guys who play for him are willing to understand and to buy in because they know that at the end of the day, that's what he, now you're good. At the end of the day, that's what he cares about the most is winning. And that's, that's ultimately the big motivation. It's like if you win, it's going to be fun, especially when you're getting paid to do it because there's no mm-hmm. sort of joie de vivre. You know, there's no random love yep. of the game that just exists because you're there and they're your friends you're playing with. These are dudes that are getting paid to beat each other's behinds. And if you can go behind the guy who does it better than anybody else, you're going to like it more. Would the Redskins always suck as long as Dan Snyder owns them? Is that your last um, question? This is like your last one. I, I don't like, know. No, I have like eight more. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to your personal life. You grew up here. I want. Are you married? Or I'm dating? not married. You're super cute in real life. Thank, I feel thank like you. They never do justice to you. They always like get these pictures of you where you look like 12 years old. Wow, and, and Jesus, like, this like, is, in real this is life, not good. You're super hot. I, I do like, okay. Thank you though. Um, you've got great. I've forgotten edge. the question now. <laughs> yeah. What were you asking? Redskins. Oh, Redskins. Dan Snyder. 
ever going to be. I feel like they're. I don't even pay any attention anymore because I'm like I've got news for everyone. They're never going to win until Snyder has is forced to sell. So I I've think, given up. Yeah, I mean, first of all, nobody's ever forced to sell in the NFL. Right, which people is, are forced to sell in the NBA. That I'm happened. hoping he goes mm-hmm. bankrupt. I just I don't know. I mean, I, I I used to like that team a lot when I was a kid. It was sort of a big bonding thing with my dad. But as I grew up, I was like, dude's a jerk. The stadium experience is a disaster, and I watch football to hang out with my friends. I don't really care if they win or lose. Yeah. So, like, I mean, are they going to be good? I, it really doesn't matter to me at this point, you know what I mean, because it's just another football team. But I do think that he has actually done better in recent years to stay the hell out of the way versus what he used to do in his first 10 years owning the team. Okay. Let's talk D.C. Okay. Okay. Real quick. VIP. Do you have to go? No, Sammy, Sarah. Sammy wants to, like, leave. <laughs> Did you, no, no, you have somewhere no. to be? No, no, no. I'm just looking at her. That's it. I'm just trying to gauge what she's doing. You grew up here. You've known this town. You've known this town before it was being gentrified. What do you think the state of D.C. is? Uh, I think D.C. is more on a level of becoming what some people would call super cities, where the identity of the city is more like other cities across the globe than it is like its own mm-hmm. self-interest. Right. Um, you think of like your Houston's, you think of your Tokyo's, you think of, I don't know, Singapore, whatever. You know what I mean? You yeah. think of places where Dubai, the largesse of the city is sort of more important than the identity of the place. And I think that's where DC is becoming. I mean, there's a lot of foreign investment. They're, the interest in family staying is low. You can tell just by every building that goes up. There's no such thing as a three-bedroom apartment anymore. No. You know, it's designed for sort of the long-term tourist. Um, people used to always say, oh, it's such a transient city. Well, that's not exactly true, but the powers that be are playing that much, much harder than they ever have before. And you can just see when you walk around. I mean, I don't know where you all live, but it costs a lot of money to live in the city. Oh, and it's crazy. That's... Uh, you know, the, the cachet of that is different than it used to be. It used to be that there was some level of, I don't know, grime or culture. But now, you know, I walk around the city and it's not it's not the place I grew up in. And I'm not bitter about it. It's just not a place that I recognize as well. Do you live in D.C., I do. by the way? I do. I live on 8th Street. Are and, there any uh, places that you can still go to to kind of feel that, you know, that nostalgia? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know that that matters to me much anymore because once it went away... I knew it wasn't coming back, mm-hmm. and I had to sort of train myself not to worry about the nostalgia factor because otherwise I'd be upset all the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. it's like things are different now, and that is what it is. And if I stop liking it enough, I'll move. But until then, I'm, I'm still here. Now, I had to move to Arlington after I went over to Shaw. The Inkton. The mm-hmm. Inkton, I know. I went over to Sean. I was going to rent an apartment there. It was $4,000 for this, like, 300-square-foot one-bedroom. What kind of lifestyle you live I know, Sarah. Jeez. Yeah. No, in one of the new buildings that's re... Well, the new buildings, yeah. yeah. Like... Okay, well, that's where I was I was looking, and then... You wanted I... to be fly. You were trying to stunt. Yeah, and everybody went in, and it was like Transformers. They were folding up their bed to make it into a couch, and then the table became a chandelier. It was, like, fucking crazy. You couldn't get anything <laughs> in there. And everything... It was like everything had to take the legs off and put it in the it's ceiling. Murphy apartment. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I was like, that's it. I'm moving to Arlington. Arlington's cool, I guess. I mean, I, when I was younger, I used to party in Arlington. Well, now she has, like, I was at her apartment yesterday, and it's the most broed out apartment complex ever. <laughs> this does not surprise me. Like, they have, like, a pool table, a foosball table, air hockey table. Oh, air hockey. They have oh, air hockey. Is this 1994? Like, <laughs> it is. And then what's that fucking game? Um, shuffleboard? They have a shuffleboard there, too. Like, like on like, the floor? Like, or like on actual, everything. like, the bar shuffleboard, with the, with like, the, with the wood and, yeah, like, the yeah, sand yeah. and shit. That actual game there. I was like, this is the most broed out place I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Um, that, they, they have it? This is like, yeah. this is considered an amenity? Amenity, yeah. yeah. 
That's how they convince them. Like, well, guys, we have shuffleboard. Don't go that's to Spider Kelly's. That's where you trap the dudes. You mm-hmm. guys should see the the pool when it's open. The gym's right next to the pool, so they just like pump the iron, and then they come out in their shirts. I'm like, it's complete bro. Bro, the bros, the bros of Arlington. The guys Do you have a big bro following? The bros of Clarendon. No. The bros of Clarendon follow us. We make fun of the bros a lot, unfortunately. Really? So they don't like us too much. I we used to be a, a bro at one point in my life. You did? Yeah, I worked at Abercrombie for a long time. What? Yeah, Are you in, kidding? Yeah, I worked I'm at Abercrombie. Sure. That's awesome. I sold jeans, man. Took I worked shirt at American Eagle, but I was too ugly to be on the floor, so they had me in the back to do stock the entire time. <laughs> the funny thing is that I know he's not lying, because that's a very real policy that's a very for a real lot of policies. They were like, you don't look as cute as the other people. So is it hard for you to meet people in your in your job? Like, Is it hard for you to have a relationship? Are you working all the time? What's your deal? Are you dating somebody? Uh, no, way, I'm, I mean, I'm go, single, Sarah. too, so way I understand go. this. It is hard to meet people that um, are what authentic. I wouldn't say authentic, but don't. I don't know. You, you, you give a certain amount of your life for your job, and when you meet people, they already know a lot about you, and you don't really know a lot about them. So that can be difficult because right. it's always a bigger, bigger give for them than it is for you. Yeah, because it's hard to sort of regulate. Like, oh well, you must be this super open book, this super giving all the time, and I'm like. Well, actually, that's kind of my job, so I do that for that reason, and if I don't do it in private, a lot of people are like, well, what's wrong with you? Why don't you give me what you give everybody else? And sometimes it's like, well, I don't know. I can't. I only have a certain amount of output, you know, but... Yeah. Isn't it hard to be... It's. We talk about this all the time, where you are on... And, you know, we are, the whole point of this podcast is we're real. I mean, this is really who we are. But at the same time, there's a level of you're more quiet, you're more reserved in your real life. And then when people encounter that, whether they want to date you or they meet you, it's always hard to not disappoint. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I I don't really worry about that because I'm not concerned about whether or not I disappoint people. I just don't ever want people to think that somehow the persona I'm giving off is inauthentic because some people don't get it right. in so-called real life, you know, and that's that's the hard balance, Sammy. It's like... I'm like, an oh. anti-social socialite. Like, right. And it's know? like, yo, I'm not always trying to chill with everybody, yeah. even though I attend a lot of events. I mean, I see Sammy and stuff occasionally, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm going to go here and talk to the people I already know. Yeah. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not necessarily going to be out meeting everybody and dropping cards on everyone, but it is a tough balance, and particularly in radio, like I said, it's a very intimate medium, so people hear the sound of your voice, and people think that they know who you are, but sometimes that's just what you say when there's a microphone in front of you, and you don't always feel that way about everything all the time. Do you mostly get, like, inquiries when you're on T.O.P. from, like, 60-year-old divorcees? Like, are they really your wheelhouse? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is it Um, the 60-year-old woman in Herndon that commutes for a government job, and she's like, Clinton... Yes. I, get, I have a lot Give of fans in me. that demographic. I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I also get a lot of people who just walk up to me every day and ask me if my name is my name. And I say yes. And they want to talk about whatever, which is fine. I mean, that's that's the good part. You know, I'm not ever going to be upset about that. I just wonder if. Uh, no, I've met people that are obsessed with you. <laughs> like, I've met people that are like, wait, you know fucking Clinton. You know, fuck, I read his shit every day. Oh, my God, I love it. Like, they are obsessed with you. And it's like, and it's mind-blowing. But, like, you are in D.C. I mean, I would say you are a D.C. staple. I know? appreciate that. Like, yeah, you are an official D.C. staple. You've been for the past while. But, I mean, officially now people are like, dude, that's Clinton Yates. Like, you know, years from now people are always going to remind me. Like, oh, yeah, Clinton Yates. He did. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's the cool part. And uh, every once in a while it works out on my favor. You know, you walk into a room and somebody knows who you are and they give you something that they wouldn't give somebody else. So that works. But also it, it can be tough because 
sometimes you want to go someplace and just chill and be by yourself and some jackhole wants to talk your ear off about mm-hmm. whatever and you're like bro I'm just drinking a beer watching hockey or whatever I could care know. less about Leave sports right, alone now. right yeah, now yeah exactly I've, I'm having to practice that too where I oh really to, how's yeah. the fame treating you Sarah I have to say to people I don't want to talk about the show <laughs> Lucky, lucky you, by the way. Sarah does not say that, by the way. I'm with her all the time, and she, just, like, I'll say, not talking about it. Sarah will be like, oh my God, well, you oh. know what? Let me tell you, this and the, and like, she'll go through all the therapy she's been through, it's not the three working. bottles of wine she drank that night. Like, it's just over and Nothing over. Nothing wrong with that, man. So, no. what's, okay, look, two questions. I want your advice for a lot of people listen, want to create. Dating advice? Do you want dating advice? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Do you think you can really find, do you think it's really that difficult to date in this town? Um, As everybody says it is, because that's just the overwhelming theme. I'm from here, so it's a different matter. Most of the people I know are friends of friends, so I'm not reading meeting randos. Mm-hmm. You know okay. I mean? I mean, I meet randos, but I'm saying, like, in whatever would be a dating context over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 years of my life, it's typically a friend of a friend or somebody who introduces you to somebody, so I'm not doing freaking grouper or whatever. You know what I mean? Where you're just bumping into randos. Like, that's, I couldn't even imagine that world. Like, like, I could not even think about what this town would be like if I came here cold and didn't know anybody yeah. and had to just walk into places, never mind some stupid bar or something, and meet people. That would be a complete disaster. Well, I'll so tell you I'm what. lucky on that front. I cried in my dorm for two weeks. That's what I did. Aww. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Oh, you, he has more dates. Oh, my no, God. No, but I'm saying the first two weeks when you're here, like, you think, like, you're literally fresh off, you know, like, I was fresh from Iowa, had no fucking clue what was going on. Iowa, dude. I still, I forget that every dude, once I do, too. Iowa. I forget. What all the, the time, and then I look at my Facebook profile. I was like, "Ew, I did go to high school in Iowa." <laughs> oh, brutal! All right, Sarah, you get one last question. Sarah, just one more. We're done. Pick a good one. I know. We're running out of hard drive space. We're like we're running out of time. We only have like we're literally have two minutes, three minutes left in the show. Okay, and then we go sorry. Over our max. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Well, I want to know what the future for you is. I mean, do you want your own show? Do you want like are you like Bill Simmons? Like you are you want that? <laughs> are we doing every, any given Wednesday? Or are you Malcolm Gladwell? I mean, I'm having an identity crisis for you. I just. I, I don't know. There's so many things to me. Uh, there's an argument that I already have my own show. It just doesn't necessarily come in the same broadcast. Yeah. Um, and so I think the next step for me is just figuring out sort of what platform I want to talk on next. You know what I mean? I it's hard on, to know. I write on the internet. I talk on the radio. TV's cool. I, I enjoy it. It's a different piece of work. As you know, right. um, and it's a different production and creation. And so, if that opportunity happens, I'll be glad. But right now, I'm really happy with what I'm, with what I am. All I ever wanted to do is make my parents proud. And they're pretty pretty cool with who I am now. I bet. Okay, advice for someone blazing their own trail. You obviously did it. Use your own voice and don't lie to yourself about who you are. A lot of people try to create personas that they think other people are going to like. When yes, Sarah, reality, write this down. In reality, who you are is far more important than who you think people want you to be. Oh, my God. I love that. That's Clinton awesome. Yates, you're amazing. Where can people follow you on social uh, media? At Clinton Yates on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can go to – I'm on every day on WTOP, 735 and 935 PM. And at the Undefeated, the all-day blog is my blog. And uh, we've got a podcast as well. It's the all-day podcast. It's fun. Amazing. Thank you for being on. Anytime. Yates, I love it. I, I love drink. it, love it. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> We're drinking. Bye. Well, you can suck up.